The local church is a collection of people who are being transformed by Jesus, who live in a community purposefully to model and proclaim Jesus. Scripture tells us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Every story is unique. Each person is an individual who has met Jesus. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Together, we are the church, and these are our stories. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Luddington, and we are starting a brand new podcast series today called Stories of Faith. Everyone has a story of how they came to know and be transformed by Jesus. And we get to learn through hearing others' stories, and we get to share Jesus often by sharing our story. And so I'm going to invite people in to share with us how they've encountered Jesus in their life. Today, kicking this off is a good friend of mine. I know a lot of people say that, but this is actually one of the guys I hang out with most in life. Rob Spencer, welcome. Thank you very much, my friend. It's cool to be here. It's good to get going. You are the the, the guinea pig. I Maybe. am the guinea pig. You are the one checking this out. All right. So when I introduce Rob to others, here's what I say. He's a full-time influencer, and, and typically that's the modern-day term. Uh, that means he creates a living basically off content creation, social media, things like that. He runs a nonprofit. He does all kinds of fun things, but he has an amazing story that intersects with his faith through lots of, uh, lots of story. And so I'm just going to leave it there and I'm just going to invite Rob, would you just tell us, kind of give us some of the background and get us to the place where everything in life changes. So for me, my story begins in the mid-90s, on a winter morning, it was cold, it was wet, and I was meeting a friend to go surfing mm -hmm. down south at a, a world-famous spot named San Onofre. San yeah. Onofre is a great spot right next to Trestles. People love to surf in that area. But we were, me and my wife were actually there camping with a church group, and, uh, and I think it was a family camp or a young married camp out or, or something along that lines. But we were there camping, and in the morning I got up and I drove out to meet a friend who was coming from up in this area to go down south to meet with me. Um, so I was, let, me, let me break in. So give me an age. So I heard married, yep. young married. So how old are you and Casey at this point? How old are you at this point? All right, so I, I met Casey when we, we both were 16 years old. Okay. And we got married at 21. Okay. So it's early in your marriage. A couple years in. Probably okay. two years in. Okay. And, uh, and we were pretty active in the church that we were going to at the time. And uh, we were down there, like I said, with a camp, uh, camping at, with a group. And I was going to meet a friend for surfing. He was coming down. I knew him from work. Mm -hmm. And he was going to drive down, meet me. We were going to surf together. So I was sitting at a stop sign. Uh, just kind of waiting for him to get off the off-ramp. So this stop sign was at the top of the off-ramp, and I can look down the off-ramp and see him coming and drive over to the parking mm -hmm. lot and that whole thing. So I was sitting there waiting, and um, and there's a – all of a sudden, I look out of the corner of my eye, and I see something coming. Mm. Now back that up, and let's take that thing coming and, and, and break it down a little bit. So there's a man who was in Long Beach, California – and he was diabetic and he wasn't feeling well and he's at his parents house and he thought he can make it home to his home in oceanside wow. um, anyways he was halfway home and he went into a diabetic coma on the freeway and he hit the center divider of the freeway while he was unconscious and the car veered up all the way off the off-ramp 
And that's what I saw in the corner of my eye. This guy coming 65 miles an hour, no brakes, not, not even awake at the wheel wow. and heading right for me. So I punched it, but you're a Jeep owner, so you know that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I punch it and I managed to at least get him off of my door and making the impact on the rear tire of my Jeep. That impact, though, sent me spinning in the 360 motion, also sent me in the air. He basically drove right through me. He was wow. going so fast with no brakes. And the Jeeps are so light. He basically just went right under me, launched me in the air, spinning around. And he kept going down the hill into the ivy of the next on-ramp. Wow. And then when I landed, I landed with my Jeep on the side. And my head landed in between the roll bar and the street of the Jeep. Mm. So the whole Jeep came down basically on the right side of my neck. And it, it ripped the, my ear off and uh, did... Did some damage that way. But when I landed, I was still spinning. The velocity was going so much, I was still spinning. I spun a full 360, hit the curb, launched me back up into the air again over a six-foot chain-link fence, and I landed upright in, in the bike path that leads you down to the beach. Wow. So at that point, I'm basically unconscious, right? And uh, and my world comes to focus when I, when I can distinctively hear this Middle Eastern voice Say, hey, you got to wake up. You, you, your, your Jeep is on fire. You got to get up. You got to get up. Mm. So as my world comes into focus at that point, um, I start to realize what's happened, mm -hmm. right? What's going on, right? And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't really, can't put it together, really. And, and that's when I first knew I was, I was in real trouble, right? As my world got the focus, me not knowing anything from that massive impact and just the whole experience, and this guy yelling at me to get out of my Jeep because wow. it's on fire. Uh, it, it, here's an interesting fact, believe <laughs> it or not. So I am a guy who wears sandals all the time, right? Right. And I distinctively remember both of my sandals in the floorboard right next to each other, exactly how they should be for <laughs> me to put my feet in. Right where you left them. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is crazy. So anyway, so I basically, I make myself get out of my Jeep and I walk a couple hundred yards away while the Jeep goes up and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, the guy in the car was clearly very busy that day because he just got back in his car and left. Fortunately, he called 911. He told me, I called 911, gets in his car and keeps going wherever he needs to be. And I'm sitting there on the curb wondering what in the world is going on. So tell me, there are so many... Um, I don't know what to call them, uh, uh, things you have wrong at that. You just said your ears torn off. Tell me, give me a snapshot right there. What is your condition before you get to the hospital, all that, just sitting there on the curb, what's, what's going on? So for, for whatever reason, my body went into fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. and I had to give myself an assessment. So I, I got out of my Jeep, and I walked, so clearly I could walk. Okay. Um, I was sitting there on that curb, and I noticed my jaw was broken because I couldn't move it. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Oh. So I basically, I didn't know about my ear yet, though. But I did know my jaw was messed up, So and I knew I had a really big, head, big headache at the time. So, <laughs> I bet. So I basically sat there on the curb with my head down, uh, letting the, the blood just kind of flow from my mouth because I couldn't swallow it i couldn't spit it i couldn't do anything because my jaw wasn't working okay. and uh, and that's that's when i really knew that oh no if i go into shock or if i lay down and i was totally fighting mentally like oh man i just want right. to lay down i just want to lay down but i knew if i do that i would just choke and die yeah. on my own blood and whatever so i kept myself 
from from doing that, from going out, from going unconscious, right. and from laying down. And uh, and all I know at that point is my jaw is broken. Okay. So I sat there in that condition for over forty five minutes, waiting for the paramedics to show up. Wow. And the whole time was a battle. I just remember the struggle, and I now know what it was. Right. I know that it was God keeping me. Keeping me on yeah. on the up here, yeah. keeping me going right. But I had this total, just a conflicting struggle of. It sounds weird, but of look, is that it? Am I am I just supposed to lay down and die, or am I supposed right. to you know what it what, right? What's going on here? And it's total confusion and total chaos physically, and and the amount of trauma physically that happened through that accident is is enough to put most people down, yeah. you know? So it was, it was a weird internal struggle between, am I supposed to be alive still or not? Okay. So you get, so obviously an ambulance gets you, you go to the hospital where you find out more of what's happened to you. So once I, once the, the fire guy gets there, right? Okay. The, the paramedic basically yeah. off the fire door, he gets there and first thing, he, I knew I'm in bad shape because first thing he walked up is like, ooh, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what? what? Yeah, thanks, dude. And then he tells right. me, I'm going to have to cut your clothes off of you. And I remember this very specific as well, that it was, the jacket was ruined from blood and all that sure. other stuff. But I remember that I really liked that jacket, right? <laughs> so at least at that time, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is a nice jacket, right? But I have no real context for anything that's, it's just shock is all it is. I'm reacting yeah. to shock. So I'm like, oh, no, let me take it off. Let me take it off. And he cut my clothes off anyway so he's the one that told me my ear was torn off and he had to bandage around there and, and wow. put it back on my head and then as soon as i got uh on a on a on a backboard like one of those wood boards that they yeah. strap you to with a c collar on and I, and i kind of was on a gurney and i felt like okay I'm, I'm in good hands i immediately went unconscious yeah i bet and uh from that from that ride to the hospital, I was basically unconscious. And then once I got to the hospital, I was in and out of consciousness for a long, long time. And that's just kind of how it was. Um, and eventually, when I woke up for good, uh, there was a very, very eerie, weird uh, feeling that that nobody that I know personally has ever experienced. I'm sure I know they're out there. In fact, I just heard on the news today or yesterday of this kind of thing happening to a girl that has taken a lot of concussions hmm. from lacrosse. Okay. But anyways, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't have a memory. I didn't, it was weird because I'm alive. I'm a human. I know I'm a human. I know, but I don't remember anything. So let's play that out a little bit. So when people are listening, you know, they may think, okay, I don't remember the accident. I don't remember this. You actually, you're, we just said like, we're ballparking 23, 24. You don't remember the first 23, 24 years of your life. From birth to that memory is gone, or from birth to that accident is gone. Permanently. No Still family, gone today. No friends, no schooling, hmm. no sports, no entertainment, no reason why I like what I like and don't like what I don't like. I don't know what food to eat that I, you know, nothing. There's zero memory. There's zero reference point for any of my life up to this point. Wow. Okay. So. It's very scary, actually. I can't it's even imagine. It's very scary and very, um, I guess that's when 
anxiety was first introduced into my life. I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> or you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're always anxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so at some point, a doctor tells you something. Uh, I know they have to alert Casey. There's a lot of So tell us about that. What do you learn? What happens with Casey? Get us to that point. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about where Casey's mindset must have been. And then okay. I'm going to let her be in on this series and tell sure. you her version. Of, but somebody shows up at the campground and says, I'm looking for Casey Spencer. And uh, it's like a park ranger. And she's like, oh, no. Right. You have to come with me, ma'am. What happened? I don't know. You just, they just told me to come and get you. So there's been an accident. So they took her, they drove her to the hospital and for at least, I know for the first, I, I want to think it was 24 hours, basically, they left her sitting in the hospital in that emergency room, like lobby with zero information, mm. zero encounter, like zero interaction, nothing. Just they, honestly, they didn't know if I was going to live or die. And all they could really tell her is we don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. so I, I'm assuming that's where their bad decision <laughs> came in to leave her hanging. But but her perspective on this story is is parallels mine, and it's super interesting okay. when you see the two side by side, side by yeah, side. Okay. So I'll let her tell that story. But for me, you know, I'm going to jump timelines here. We're talking days, weeks, months, sometimes okay. and forward, right? But so I wake up in this hospital, and and now they bring Case in to introduce to me my wife. And, you know, tell me this is Casey, your wife, and blah, blah, blah. They know I don't know at that time. Okay. Does she know that you have no memory? Did they tell her? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So you get to this point where you have no memory, and you're literally being introduced to your wife for the first time since the accident. Feels like the first time ever. I know there are friends that come up. And so before we tell the story, capture from me, I want to be inside your head for a minute in that. Like, what are you going through? When they're telling you this is your wife, but she looks like there's zero familiarity. So you have to understand a couple of things. One, I am, I am, my mouth is wired shut. I am mm-hmm. basically in a sea collar and like strapped down most of the day, right? Right. And they're bringing this person in that that I have this life with, and they're telling me that this is, you know, and they're trying to explain to me what life what what it is what it means what life is before this accident and what childhood you know and that kind of thing and nothing is there nothing is connected i don't remember any of it and quite honestly there were moments where i thought i was dead and that this is just some wow weird version of death and there are times when i wish that i was dead and that i just called it there and you know but the whole experience there there are two main things that plague me even today okay and that is depression and loneliness okay and it plagues society tremendously today but those two things came out of a brain so you know when you have a tbi when you have a brain injury um there are medical conditions that every brain injury have in common and a lot of those are lonely that loneliness and right. a lot of them are that depression thing that you got to fight right so those are there so it's not necessarily that i felt depressed because of my social environment i think it was a byproduct of my brain injury okay right and, and the loneliness but the loneliness is i didn't like, even know what it was yet okay like i didn't even know that feeling to label it as loneliness same okay. thing with depression. I didn't sure. know to label it as that. What it, in in hindsight, that's what I identify it as. 
But in the moment, I'm laying in the hospital and I'm broken and I'm and I'm just honestly going back in and out of consciousness and trying to figure out what is what my mouth wires. I can't even communicate if I want to. And I don't even know if I could talk because my, you know what I mean? Because I'm so, I'm so physically handicapped at that time. And for those first few hours, few meaning up to days, uh, I was paralyzed on the right side of my body. So what had happened is the swelling in my neck got so bad uh, that it, it compressed onto the nerves and it shut down the right side of my body for a while. And then as Mm. that swelling went away, my right side came back, but I was still messed up from it, right? All yeah. that bad circulation. And like now I've had on the right side of my body, I've had my elbow reconstructed. I have a, a fake hip. I have my knee reconstructed. I have, you know, I need finger surgery all on that same side. So obviously the damage from Plastic. the lack of circulation is, is what's, you know, bringing all those injuries to light today. But in that moment, it is very dark. Okay. So I know, and like you said, you know, Casey was there, but you have no, you don't remember her. You're told she's your wife, her name's Casey, but you have no background. Friends come, people visit, you have no frame of reference, like you said, but you can't talk, you can't even. So you're going through that, so you, you have this moment, and, and I just, the word that comes to me is dark. It, that has to be the dark, a dark place. Like you said, where, like, am I dead, am I alive? You're asking questions you'd never ask any other time. So. So you at some point get released from the hospital and are going to go, and I'm gonna, if you could see me like air quotes, like go home, but home has such an identity of ours, right? But you're yep. gonna go back to a home that was yours, but you're gonna go back to home, but you're not gonna know anything. So take me home with you. Okay, so uh, backing up just a little bit. So when they, when they think that I had no memories, they know nothing about brain injuries at the time and how to do this right. kind of stuff. So I basically was a guinea pig for many, many things to try to stimulate my memory before Not I even got- Not just this podcast. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. For, to stimulate that memory to come back even before I got released, right? So uh, they bring in friends, they bring in everything, and I can't communicate that. Well, as time goes by, I can move my mouth, I can make sounds. I know that I could talk, I know, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, as that comes to be, uh, we're at a place where they brought in all this information and they gave it to me. Um, so I just said, I remembered. Okay. But you didn't, uh, by the way, bad step number one in life. Right. So critical mistake. Number one, you, you lied. You said you remembered, but you didn't. And you know what I want to do is I, I want to connect that to, to man's first sin. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm a grown adult. You know how like in the Bible, like kids have like, a certain amount of years that they're covered kind of thing, you know, right? right? Sure. They're so, growing up. They don't know any different. So as an adult at that point, not physically, not real, but in those few moments, I was perfect. Hmm. I was sinless. And then I got to make my first decision. Uh, and what was it? Yeah. Wrong. A yeah, sin. It was a bad one. Right. It was a bad <laughs> one. So it's, it's very interesting that we cannot get out of our own way. Sure. We are imperfect. Yeah, we inherit brokenness. And even in this moment where you had no decisions, right or wrong, really the first one you remember is a bad decision or wrong decision. Okay, so how's that play out? Thinking that it is right. For sure. Right? Yeah. So it's not even like I went out of my way. It's not even like I I premeditated sin. 
it just is what we do. Right. <laughs> you know? So anyways, so I lie about everything. I say, I remember, I remember my wife, my mouth's wired shut. I can't talk to anybody anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And I check myself out of the hospital, even against their recommendations to wow. go home. And uh, so now I remember driving home. That first drive home was, it was weird. It was the drive in the vehicle. It was almost like my, my body was reliving that, that anxious moments before because it, it was a very, a very anxious feeling just mm. the drive home itself. Sure. And I think it was my, my mind reacting to what happened before because there's no reason why I should sure. feel that way in a car, right? So we get home and uh, I settle in and uh, I'm healing now at home. And from that moment, remember, everybody thinks that I remembered and I'm just healing. So there were people coming by. Right. They were bringing whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm just like, mm, you know, great, thanks. Write down, thank you on a card and a letter. And You told me this too, though, from the accident forward, like in those early days after the accident, your brain was like a sponge. So when For one sure. person comes over and they're like, hi, I'm Jeff, you know, and, and next time you see him, you know it's Jeff, so you're faking it. Yep. Like you totally remember everything. Yep because you're remembering what they're telling you. Do you know that, um, this is a little sidebar, but a few years back I went to, to uh, not Barstow, where is it? It's it's out in the desert, it's by Barstow basically. Okay. It's like where people go, they have this little like old town thing that you could tour through and that kind of, it is Barstow. Anyways, I was there and we ran into somebody that knew me from that church. Huh. And they came up and they were talking. This happened to me three or four times in my life. Sure. They come up and they've been talking, I just fake it. Right. I just fake it. Even now, I just fake it. What, what am I going to say? You right. know, that's ridiculous. I don't remember you. Right. And then when I we leave, my wife tells me now, oh, you that was this person and this person from then. And you know, it's, it's very strange. So how you just said that's really important. So she tells you now. But at this point in the story, so back <laughs> yep. to our story, you're faking it to Casey, too. I'm so she has no idea you don't remember her. I say fake because I'm being kind to myself, but I'm lying to everybody. Sure. Because it's easier than telling them the truth. Okay. And it's and it's easier for them as well as it's easier for me, right? Yeah. So that's why I think that I thought in the in some weird way that the right thing to do would just I'm just trying to look. I'm totally lost. Right. I'm just winging life right now, knowing nothing, and I'm just trying to figure this junk out, right? Yeah. So I'm, I made this decision and I'm going with it. So I'm a, but I, again, like I'm a sponge. I remember sure. all the stories. I remember the photos. I remember everything. So if someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I'm Jeff. Like you said, yeah, I know yeah. Who you are. Right. right. Cause I've seen you once and enough to remember yeah, yeah, yeah. since the yeah. accident. But in the meantime, as my life develops, all of my past friendships go away. I, bet. I don't stay connected. Yeah. Why? Right. Uh, yeah. All, not only why, I have to push them away so I can keep the lie moving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So every... So let, me, let me ask about that. That's a great place. And, and just so if you're listening, we're going to do this in multiple episodes. Uh, we won't always do this. Sometimes we'll do a whole story in one episode. But we will break this one into pieces, into parts, uh, just because it's, it's an amazing story to hear and uh, to learn from. But in that moment, so I want to go back to your lying... You, you, in a way you think it, so here's what I heard you lie and check yourself out right so you're totally faking it at home you're lying you you've admitted it how you're doing it I'm guessing checking yourself out was to your in your head you that's what you wanted you're at home you don't want to admit you don't recognize now you're in the lie uh, and you haven't told your wife you don't even remember her so 
Tell me about the impact of living that falsehood. So now you're living in this lie. Tell me about how that impacted you. So I think it's important to, to connect these two points because do you know that, think of, th again, let's take it back to the original couple, Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Think of what were they doing? Like, why did they want to eat that apple? Because they wanted all that knowledge. Right. They wanted all that power. I took control of my life because I wanted that control. Because I thought that the only way I can make it is to control all of this, right? And it is an interesting parallel. And I don't notice the parallels in the moment. But right. now that I'm 20 years removed, I look back and there's very specific points where I realize that, look, we've come so far in, in education. we come so far in science. we come so far in technology. But we all still are the same you know we all still go through the same fall right totally it's crazy all the time right it's so tell me the impact of that decision on yourself and on your relationship at least at minimum your relationship with casey yep so every every problem we've ever had was probably stemmed from emotional disconnection and where she couldn't understand i t because i had the truth that i was keeping from her right yeah i'm a, i'm emotionally disconnected at least right you know what i mean so uh when so explain that so i know what you're saying there but so you talk about like the different stages that people go through in relationships so explain that what you don't have that she does right so so i i put it like this the puppy love mm -hmm. allows for a lot of grace in life sure. right so if you if you go through a relationship and you rem you have all the good memories the the the, the courting the dating the falling in love the getting married the, the newlywed years of life, you have all of these great moments that you can that you can use to mask some of the bad moments, right? Sure. So, for example, has anybody come up to you ever in life where you met him and you think, dude, what a jerk. Why is that guy, <laughs> right? Sure, because you don't know. Right. But his wife or his friend or somebody in his life remembers all of those. Yeah. So it's almost like eh, he gets a pass because yeah, that's just who he is. The Bible says love right? covers a multitude of sins. There you so go. So there, there you, you go, go. Right? So you don't have that framework that puppy love that experience all the goods in this moment and so you're completely flying blind in a relationship every moment is the first moment wow right yeah every experience is the first experience okay so, so how long does this deception this faking it this living in this lie how long does that last so what i've learned from first of all that every moment is a new moment how do I apply it to my life is I, I need to be careful how I treat people in the beginning. Mm. Right. That's a good, takeaway. I need to be careful what I say. I need to be a little more loving. I need to be a little more friendly. Sure. Right. Because when, when I, because when people come and interact with me, I have that, I have a hard line because I have a physical hard line even sure. where they don't, but it's all, affecting the people the same because I, if i don't know you i don't know you sure so our words are the bible tells us you know the the tongue is sharper than the sword type right. thing it's very true absolutely very true i'm actually going to retract my question so i will save that for the next episode so here's what i want to say i i just want to i want to hear kind of a all of us maybe not i don't compare like my worst your worst my hard day your hard day i don't do any of that right but we all get to a place 
at some point in our life that is dark. Mine was of my own creation. Yours was caused by an accident and then choices you made afterwards. But we're not looking to assign blame just to say, you know, we all get to this place at some point in our lives, maybe over and over again, that are dark and hard and heavy and painful. And so I want to close this episode up with just a question. What do you say to somebody who's in that place listening right now? So what I would say is understand that what you do and what you say has the potential to change the life of somebody that is disconnected from you by seven degrees. Okay. Right? That diabetic man that woke up that thought he was feeling not well, but he can make it. I don't know that guy. I still don't know. I don't even know his name. I never right. met him. I never intended on meeting. I'll never meet him again. Right. I don't know his family. I don't know his friends. I don't know anything about his life. But he changed my life and the people around me forever. Okay. And it wasn't even intentionally bad for him. Right. I mean, it was in the sense of you weren't feeling. He made right? a decision. So yeah. for me personally, underst- I need to understand the things that I say and do could potentially uh, hurt or negatively affect or positively. affect the lives of people around me that I will never even know. That's one thing. Okay. The other thing is, um, if you're, if you're at a point of being depressed or if you're struggling with anxiety, understand we fall. And as we look back at my story, we followed a very, I'm just like everybody else. Right. You know, it's bad for me, but I mean, generally we followed the, we follow basically the line of the fall of man from the beginning. It's the same steps. It's the same, slightly different flavor, but the same stupid steps. Yeah. That means we all share that. You're not alone. Right. Even when you feel alone, you're not alone. Right? That's one thing. Two, the good news is there are ways to control it. Okay. And so we'll pick that up. We'll, that'll be a theme for sure of the next episode. And so I want to say this. I'm going to go back to what Rob said. The story in the garden is this. God creates humanity and, and designs them and makes them, and they're, they're living in their life and they're flourishing, and then they make this decision to do what God said not to do, and it ruins everything. But there are successive decisions. After that, the cover-up, the not seeking God, the living in a lie, all of that that takes place afterwards. And when I hear Rob's story, what I hear is that moment, though sometimes we choose the things that create the darkness, the anxiety, the pain, the loneliness. Maybe we choose it, maybe we didn't. My struggles were more of my own creation. Yours was a tragic accident. However, in those things, so if you're in that place right now, your next decision matters. You can make a decision that can help you or can hurt you. What we'll learn is that the lie he was living with caught up and did more damage. But we'll pick up there in the next episode. I wanna say, first off, Thank you to Rob. Uh, He'll be back on for the next episode. Stay tuned. Listen up for the next one. And thank you for listening. We're engaging a new series talking about sharing how Jesus impacts our life, how Jesus intersects with our story. Listen, like, subscribe, and join us next time. Thank you for listening to this story about how Jesus made a difference. Generations Church is filled with ordinary people who met an extraordinary Savior. Subscribe so you don't miss a single story. Would you stop and share this with one friend today? 
The story of Jesus is most easily seen in the lives of people who know him. 